Well, as we uh, get underway here this morning, if I could, I'd like to ask you a question. Uh, and the question that I have for you is, uh, why are you here this morning? Why'd you come here? No, I'm not expecting you to answer audibly. Uh, God's people, according to what we read in the Scripture, what we learn from God's Word, God's people uh, come on the Lord's Day and they gather together primarily to worship the Lord. Uh, and I trust that that's why you have come today, I hope that that's why you've come, uh, to worship the Lord. I fear, and I'm quite certain, actually, that in many places where many are gathered together on this Lord's Day in what is considered a meeting of a church, that there are several far too many who have gathered with no thought at all about being there to really worship God, but for various other reasons. Well, I pray that that is not the case for any of us here today. I. I suspect sometimes that it may be such in some of our lives even. But by and large, I hope that that's not the case for any of us. I would ask you if you would to turn with me back to the Psalms again this morning. And I would ask you to look with me in Psalm 96. I'm going to read a portion of the 96th Psalm this morning and uh, the title that I have put to the message this morning is simply this, Worshiping God, Worshiping God in or through the hearing and heeding of His Word. Worshiping God in the hearing and the heeding of His Word. Psalm 96, beginning with verse 1. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Bless His name. Tell of His salvation from day to day. Declare His glory among the nations. His marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before Him. Strength 
and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength or holiness and omnipotence. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due to his name. Bring an offering and come to his courts. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Mm. Tremble before him all the earth. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Well, uh, let's bow our hearts again before the Lord, can we? I, I have a real need in my heart this morning uh, to know that the Lord would bless His Word. And so I need to ask Him, and it might please Him to do that. So you join me in doing that, would you? Let's pray. Our gracious Father, thank You Thank you, Lord, that for reasons beyond my comprehension, it pleases you, Lord, to use an unprofitable servant like myself to proclaim your word. Lord, unworthy as I am, I nevertheless am so thankful and grateful for the privilege of doing so. And I know, Lord, that I'm not sufficient. I know that in and of myself I'm not able, I'm not capable. And so I bow before you, Lord, and pray for grace, pray for mercy, pray for strength, pray for help, pray for enabling, pray for... For unction, pray for, O oh God, the power of your Holy Spirit that I might be able to proclaim your word in demonstration of your spirit and of power and with authority and that it might work effectually to accomplish your purpose in each heart and each life present here today. And Lord, as we consider the subject of worship, as we find it here in your word, oh Lord, teach us. Teach us, Lord, what we need to understand. Make it real to us. Cause it, oh Lord, to grip our hearts, arrest our hearts. To the point, Lord, that we might never again be the same. Help us to see and understand. Oh, Lord, be pleased to glorify your name and magnify Christ in this time we spend together in your word. 
All of this, Father, I ask in His name, in the name of Christ, our Savior, my Redeemer, my Lord. In His name I pray. Amen. Well, as I said a few moments ago, we we come together like this on the Lord's Day to worship, don't we? Uh, we need to remember that. It's easy to forget, especially in our day and time when it seems like church has kind of evolved into something that it's not at all seen to be in the New Testament Scripture. Uh, and that's sad. And it grieves my heart, and I hope it grieves your heart as well to see that. But uh, perhaps you've visited churches as I have uh, where, well, anything and everything but worship takes place. And it's sad. It's sad. Well, we're, we're here to worship the Lord, I trust, and I pray that God will enable us to do that. And I, and I trust this morning that as uh, we look to God's Word, that we'll come to understand more about what it is that enables us to worship the Lord and how we are able to worship the Lord as God would have us to do that. Earlier, uh, in, in our reading of the Scripture from the 19th Psalm, uh, there was a portion of the Scripture there that I said I, I loved, especially from the 19th Psalm, where uh, the psalmist used different words to describe uh, what uh, God's Word meant to him and what it did in his heart and in his life. Uh, and uh, I trust that perhaps some of those things you found to be applicable in your heart and in your life as well as I, as I do in mine. But the thing that really has struck me about that was what he went on to say in the 10th verse. Where, well, let me just turn back there and, and ask you to turn there and look at it with me. What he said in the 10th verse then, after the, the various things he said about the Word of God and, and what it is and what it does, uh, in our hearts and in our lives and what it means to us. Uh, look what he said then in the 10th verse. He said, More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. And I wonder, is that something that you can say about God's Word? Can you say about God's Word that it's more precious to you and more valuable to you and more desirable to you and you would want more the Scripture and God's Word and what God says than all the gold that this world has to offer? I believe that's what David is saying. Can you say that? Every child of God should be able to say that. 
when we stop and consider what God's Word really means to us. If we were to turn to the 119th Psalm, David would tell us there among the many, many things that he says there about the Word of God. It's one of the longest portions of, or longest chapters in all of the Bible. Isn't it? And he's talking about the Word of God just time and time again, verse after verse after verse there in the 119th Psalm. But one verse stands out to me uh, in that particular Psalm, the, verse 105. And it says there that uh, David says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. A lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. David is saying that God's word is that which is a lamp for his feet in this dark world that we live in. And a light that shows the path that he's to walk in this dark world. And what would life be like for him if he didn't have that life? If he didn't have that life? I can remember being in a cave in Branson, Missouri, Marvel Cave, and going down, down, down into that cave. And of course they had lights in there. But when we got down in the bottom of that cave, they turned the lights out. And trying to imagine what it would be like to be down there without any light and trying to find my way out of that cave. An impossible thing. An impossible thing. And so it would be in this world in which we live. No way out. No way to see your way out of it. If you didn't have a light. Oh, but we have a light, don't we? We have a light right here. The Word of God. God's Word. Does that say something about the value of God's Word to us? Shouldn't that bring us to our knees in worship and gratitude and thanksgiving to God for giving us such a light that we might see the way? Oh, indeed. I believe it does. It does. And then Jesus. Jesus, when He's in that temptation experience there early in His ministry, Matthew chapter 4, and verse 4, He's actually quoting from the Old Testament, I believe in the book of Deuteronomy. And one of the temptations, uh, He responded to Satan with, Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Hmm. Think about that. Think about that. What's Jesus saying? We live by every word that comes in the mouth of God. If there was no word from the mouth of God, what would happen to us? We wouldn't live. 
I'm going to die. I said, about the value of God's word? <laughs> it says a lot to me. It's more to be desired than gold. Oh, yea, than much fine gold. Oh, when I think about it, it becomes sweeter. Sweeter than the honey in the honeycomb. Such that there's nothing I like more than the Word of God. Nothing I love more than God's Word. Nothing I desire more than God's Word. It's God's Word that has revealed to me the Lord Jesus, my Savior and my Redeemer. Well, I'm thankful for it. And I trust and I hope that you are too. Well, according to our text, or looking at our text this morning, verse 6 of Psalm 96. I want to turn back there. Psalm 96 and verse 6. It says, Splendor and majesty are before Him. Splendor and majesty are before Him. Splendor. What is that? Well, splendor is defined as brilliant luster or brightness. Brilliant luster or brightness. They are before Him. You remember in the Old Testament, in the tabernacle in the wilderness, that God had given instructions how to set it up, how to build it, and the Holy of Holies, where God would make His presence known. And when God would come, that bright light that would appear indicating the presence of God so bright that they couldn't even look on it. That's the splendor. The splendor of God. The brilliance, the luster, and the brightness. It's before Him. And the majesty. The majesty. That's the, the greatness the greatness, a greatness that inspires awe and reverence. That's what majesty is. Greatness that inspires awe. That's what we see in God. That's what we see in Him. That's what the Word of God reveals to us about Him. His splendor and His majesty. Well, that should lead us to worship Him, shouldn't it? That should lead us to worship Him. Seeing Him as He is. Realizing who and what God is. Well, this morning I hope that we can see that both the hearing and the heeding of God's Word constitute a considerable 
portion of our worship to the Lord our God. And so let's begin, if we can, with our worship and the hearing of God's Word. Jeremiah Burroughs, a Puritan, one of the Puritans of long ago. Jeremiah Burroughs was born in 1599, lived to the ripe old age of 47, dying in 1646. Uh, But a godly man that God greatly used, whom I have come to greatly respect and have learned a great deal from, wrote uh, some wonderful books. Perhaps uh, you've heard of uh, uh, his book on contentment. If you haven't, I would encourage you to find it and read it. Tremendous book. Jeremiah Burroughs made this statement. He said, the reason why we worship God in a slight way is because we do not see God in His glory. The reason we worship God in a slight way is because we do not see God in His glory. We don't see God in His splendor, in His majesty. as His splendor and His majesty is revealed to us where? In His Word. In His Word. And so I would like to add to Jeremiah Burrell's quote, if I could. I don't think he will be upset if I do that. Uh, You won't tell him, will you? What I would like to add to Jeremiah Burrell's quote is this. Nor do we hear sadly, the preaching of the Word as the very Word of the eternally self-existent God. Now that may not be true of you. I hope it's not. But I fear that it is true of far too many people. They go to church. They listen to the preacher. Oh, that's great. That's a good preacher. Without ever considering that what the preacher is preaching is the Word of the eternally existent, self-existent God. The Creator. The Eternal One. The Great I Am. He who is absolutely holy, sinlessly perfect, always has been, always will be, who hates sin, condemns sin, and will judge sin and the sinner. And will pour out His wrath on sin and the sinner. Yes, any preacher who is a faithful preacher to the Word of God and preaches the Word of God is preaching just that, the Word of God. 
hearing God. Hearing God in His glory. Just as seeing God in His glory should prostrate us before Him. Turn with me to Exodus chapter 3. Third chapter of Exodus. I'm sure you're familiar with this incident in the life of Moses recorded in the third chapter of Exodus when God calls Moses to go back down into Egypt and be the one to lead his children out of bondage in Egypt. And Moses, if you recall, had had to flee Egypt. He had to run because of some things that had happened. <laughs> but uh, we'll not go into that. But he was out on the backside of the desert tending the flocks of his father-in-law Jethro. In verse 1 there, chapter 3 of Exodus says, Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. And he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness. He came to Oreb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord, and by the way, that is a that is pre-incarnate Jesus, the angel of the Lord. Definite article there, the angel of the Lord. That's Jesus uh, appearing to Moses there. Appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked and behold, the bush was burning and yet it was not consumed. Hmm. When, and Moses said, I'm going to turn aside and see this great sight. Why this bush is not burned. I suspect most of us would, would have done the same thing. Wouldn't if you were out in the backside of a desert and you saw a bush on fire and it just burned and burned and burned and burned and never burned up, you'd be curious too, wouldn't you? Well, that's all Moses was. He was curious. And so he said, well, I'm going to go see this bush. Why this bush isn't burning up. And he did that. And the Lord saw that he turned aside to see. And God called to him out of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Here I am. Then he said, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet for the place on which you're standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look at God. Hmm. Moses heard the glory of God. Moses heard the word of God. God spoke to him. Spoke to him. And the fear of God gripped his heart. He was in awe at the presence of one so holy. The eternally self-existent God. He heard the word of God and it created fear in his heart. Well, let's listen to what the Apostle Paul 
said about the Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 13. Paul's first letter to the church at Thessalonica, 2nd chapter and verse 13. Paul said, We also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believe. These folks, when they heard the word preached, they knew what it was, didn't they? They accepted it as the word of God. I pray that this is the case with you this morning as you hear this message from God's word. That it is the Word of God. It is the Word of God. Look with me now to the Gospel of Luke. The Gospel according to Luke. Chapter 24. In Luke's account of the Gospel. What is we we? We pick up the account of the Gospel according to Luke in chapter 24, verse 13. This is right after the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And uh, a couple of the uh, disciples were on the road to Emmaus. And most of you are familiar with that story as well. And uh, they were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were walking along, they were talking about some of the things that had just recently happened and uh, discussing together these things. And Jesus uh, drew near with them and, and began to walk along with them. And their eyes were kept from recognizing him. There in verse 16. And he said to them in verse 17, What is this conversation that you're holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still looking sad. And one of them said, and his name was Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and the rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it's now the third day since these things happen. And moreover, some of the women of our company amazed us, and they were at the tomb early in the morning. They didn't find his body. Came back saying that even uh, they'd even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. And uh, some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just like the women had said. But him they did not, did not see. And he said to them, O oh, foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things 
and enter into his glory. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them all in, in, in he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he were going further, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them, and when he was at table with them, he took bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. And then they said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures. I wonder, have you ever been in a service in in a church where the word of God was being proclaimed and God was present and, and, and the anointing of God was upon the minister, the preacher, and the preaching of the word was uh, in demonstration of His Spirit and power, and 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 what you heard began to burn in your heart. Your heart began to burn, and you sensed the presence of God, and and you knew you were hearing the Word of God, and and it just gripped your heart. And then the message ended. And there was a closing prayer. And the service was over. And you began to leave. And immediately, everybody's conversation began to be about what you're going to eat for lunch. The weather. Sports. And you name it, everything but the Word of God. How quickly the heart grew cold after having been set aflame by the Word of God. Sad, isn't it? But it happens. It happens. We need to be seeking an answer to why. Why can this happen? How does this happen? And oh, we need to find the answer and we need to seek to know how it can be avoided and how our hearts can stay in tune with what we hear from God in His Word. You want to know why this The church is in such a mess today. That's it. That's it right there. May God help us. God help us. I wonder if we can't find that at least a good part of the reason for why this happens is that there's so little preparation that takes place in our hearts for coming to the Lord's house 
to hear the word of God. So little thought given to the Lord's day in the days in the days prior to the Lord's day. We get so wrapped up in the world that the world enters into the Lord's day. And though it might get crowded out for those brief few moments when the Word of God is being proclaimed and our heart begins to warm and is stirred by the Word of God. It so quickly is lost. The prophet Jeremiah in the fourth chapter of Jeremiah if you turn there with me. Jeremiah chapter 4 and verse 3. Jeremiah records, For thus says the Lord to the men of Judah and Jerusalem, Break up your fallow ground and sow not among thorns. Circumcise yourselves to the Lord. Remove the foreskin of your hearts, O men of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem, lest my wrath go forth like fire and burn with none to quench it because of the evil of your deeds. Well, the prophet Jeremiah said God's word must not be sown among thorns. Perhaps you're familiar with the parable Jesus told that's recorded in all the synoptic gospels, that being Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Uh, let's look at it in Matthew. We could look in any of the three accounts. It's almost exactly the same in each one, but let's look in Matthew's account, the 13th chapter of Matthew. Matthew chapter 13, beginning with verse 3. Jesus told them many things in parables, it says in verse 3, saying, A sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and immediately sprang up since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold and some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Hmm. Obviously, something was very different about the good soil, wasn't it? Verse 8. 
Well, Jesus will, a little bit later, it means about verse 18, he'll go on to give us an explanation of this uh, parable, of what he's really talking about. Uh, well, let's just look at it, at the explanation. Uh, in verse 19, he says, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom, he's not really talking about uh, actual uh, seed being sown on the ground, is he? He's talking about the word of God being sown in the different types of kinds of hearts that uh, the, the word falls upon as it's proclaimed. He says, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. And uh, this is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, uh, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. What made the difference? What made the difference? Well, look at verse 9. It says, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. verse 11 who is it that has ears to hear well Jesus told his disciples to you it has been given to know or to understand not everybody it's not given to everybody to understand it's given to you it's given to, his, to these uh, who are followers of the Lord Jesus these whom he has called unto himself and given to them to understand. And not everybody understands. Jesus went on to talk about that. Uh, there was even prophecy about that in the book of Isaiah. Uh, there in verse 14 and following, we read of that prophecy. But verse 16 said, Blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. The Spirit of God works in the hearts, works in the lives of those whom God set His love upon before the foundation of the world. Uh, he quickens them. He makes them alive. He gives them a new heart. He gives them, in His grace and in His mercy, He gives them a heart that, that understands, ears that receive, that can hear and understand the Word of God. How grateful you and I need to be if we hear and understand the Word of God. And it should cause us to worship and gratitude, shouldn't it? To be able to hear the Word of God. And it should cause us to look forward all week 
and to prepare all week long for coming on the Lord's Day to sit and hear the Word of God and worship in gratitude for what we hear. Oh, how grateful, how grateful we should be. If we had time, we'd turn to John 10, where the Lord Jesus talks more about that his sheep are the ones who hear his voice, and they follow him, and he gives them eternal life. They have life, and they have ears to hear, don't they? His sheep. They hear his voice. Well, it's those who hear God's word they bear the fruit, produce the grain in the parable. The fallow ground of the good soil or heart of verse 8 in the parable has been plowed up or humbled by the quickening, life-giving power of the Holy Spirit to still to still us to quiet us that we might hear the voice of God in His Word and we should be grateful and thankful and as we then with listening heart as God speaks by His Spirit Obey the exhortation of the Apostle in Hebrews 12 where he says we lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily besets us and we look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. We look unto Jesus. We see Him. We see Him. We behold His glory. We behold His glory. And we do, don't we? Don't we see His glory? In Jesus, the glory of God in Jesus. Well, when the Word was made flesh, as recorded in John chapter 1, verse 14, the Word became flesh, and John wrote, we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And in Luke, Luke chapter 9, the transfiguration. Look at that with me. Ninth chapter of Luke. Verse 28-32. Eight days after these sayings, He took with Him Peter and James and John. John and James, they went up on a mountain to pray. And as He was praying, the appearance of His face was altered and his clothing became dazzling white. Hmm. Splendor. And behold, two men were talking with him, Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his departure, which he was about to accomplish in Jerusalem. at Jerusalem. Now Peter and those who were with him were heavy with sleep, but when they became fully awake, they saw his glory. And the two men who stood with him. They saw His glory. 
What about us? What about us? Well, what did the Apostle Paul say about us? Second Corinthians. Second Corinthians chapter 4. Well, in verse 3, Paul said, even if our gospel is veiled or hidden, it's hidden or veiled only to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. We have seen the glory of God in Christ. Well, very quickly, let me just go on and consider our worship in heeding God's Word. We considered hearing God's Word. Let's consider heeding God's Word. In our text, back in Psalm 96, uh, Psalm 96 and verse 4, David said, For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. Be feared above all gods. In verse 9, if you recall, he said, we are to tremble before him all the earth. Tremble before him all the earth. Last week we considered Job's journey in the fear of God, if you'll recall. We saw that it was the fear of God that caused Job to see who God is and what God is really like. Remember in Job chapter 42, Job finally said, I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you, wherefore I abhor myself and I repent in dust and ashes. Well, it was the fear of God in Job's heart that brought that about, wasn't it? Well, because of the fear of God in Job's heart, he not only saw what God, who God is and what He's like, he also knew that God was always present, that God would never leave him, never forsake him. That's why he could handle the things that came along uh, the way he did. He knew God wasn't going to forsake him. Everything else might be taken away. But God would never leave him. God would always be present. Let's remember that Jeremiah, what Jeremiah said in Jeremiah chapter 32 when he was talking about uh, the, the new covenant that God was going to make verse 37 through 40 of Jeremiah 32. Jeremiah, God says, Behold, I will gather them from all the countries to which I drove them in my anger and my wrath and in great indignation. I will bring them back to this place and make them dwell in safety. And I shall be, they should be my people and I'll be their God and I'll give them one heart and one way that they may fear me forever for their own good and for the good of their children after them. And I'll make them an everlasting covenant that I'll not turn away from them, doing them good. And I'll put my fear in their hearts that they may not turn away from me. They may not turn away from me. 
and Ezekiel prophesied. And he was talking about the same, same covenant that, that Jeremiah was talking about in, e, in Ezekiel chapter 36. And he says, beginning with verse 24, I'll take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and bring you into your own land. Sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness and from your idols I will cleanse you and I'll give you a new heart and a new spirit I'll put within you and I'll remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey all my rules. Hmm. The fear of God not only causes us to know who God is and what He's like, and that He's always present, never leave us, forsake us, it also causes us to realize how obligated we are to God for everything. And God will enable us to live, to fulfill those obligations by His grace. He will enable us to love Him the way He commands us to love Him. How is that? Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? Remember that? He said the greatest commandment is you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. Well, how are you going to do that? By the grace of God. God enables you to do that. By the Spirit of God who indwells you. You cannot do it yourself. But He enables, doesn't He? What about trusting Him the way we're supposed to trust Him? Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 Trust the Lord with all your heart. You can't do that. Oh, but you can. By the grace of God. Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. That's the way I trust him with all my heart. How about obeying him? The way he said, I'm going to obey him implicitly. Implicitly. Without reservation, without hesitation. That's what it means to obey him implicitly. Without hesitation or reservation. That's a big demand, too, isn't it? But it's his righteousness, his obedience that's put to my account. And God's satisfied with that. Satisfied with that. James said, don't be just a hearer of the word, but a doer. A doer of the word. But our worship, our worship of the Lord is honoring in God's sight when we both hear and heed God's word as he teaches us to do. 
Jesus said, be careful how you hear. Be careful how you hear. Let me close with one one more verse from the book of Hebrews, chapter 2. Hebrews, the second chapter, and verse 1. Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we've heard, lest we drift away from it. Worshiping Him in hearing and heeding His Word. I hope we see how important it is to our worship in God, to hear the Word of God, knowing it is God's Word that we hear, and how important it is that we heed what we hear, that we do what God says by His grace, for His glory. May God help us. May God help us. And may we see how important it is to prepare our hearts to worship and to hear God's Word when we come together. Let's pray that God will enable us to do that. Let's bow together. Father, once again, we thank you for the day you've given us. We thank you for the time that we can open the Word of God and consider the things that you have spoken to us. Lord, may we truly hear them as you would speak them to our hearts. And may it make a lasting impression upon us for your glory and for our good. May we take with us through this coming week what you've spoken to us today. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.